Heavenly God, we want to thank you for this amazing time of worship we've been able to enjoy together uh, in our different homes and in different places. God, thank you that uh, even in the midst of all that's happening around us, you are still good and you still meet with us every time that we open your word, every time that we gather in your name and we anticipate your blessing through your word, through your spirit. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Good morning, everyone. I want to add my welcome to the welcome that you've already received. My name is Mbonisi, and I'm part of the team that leads One Tribe Church, and it is our privilege to host you this morning. We're moving now into part three of our installment in the Daniel series, what we've styled as a kind of pandemic survival kit for you. And uh, in this one, we're going to see a king who wants to be worshipped. And uh, this isn't just relating back to biblical times, but all through history, that's the way presidents have, and kings have been. That's human nature. In the 1930s, I'm reminded of a story uh, of a man by the name of Joseph Stalin. Some of you will have heard of him. He was a dictator in Russian. And at the height of his hero worship and uh, the adulation of the people, his name was mentioned in a provincial meeting somewhere. And uh, at the mention of his name, everyone in the room got up and started to give a standing ovation. He got a standing ovation and with that came a standing problem because no one wanted to be the first person to stop clapping and sit down. And then one person who was elderly and, and just couldn't keep it up, he opted to be the first to sit down and they noted his name and the following day he was arrested. It's the way rulers have always been. And it's the way Nebuchadnezzar was. Check this out, Daniel chapter three, verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high, nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then the herald proclaimed, proclaimed, <clears throat> This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zithalaya, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar, he set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. If you've been tracking through the Daniel series, you'll be noting a theme emerging. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zithalaya, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some whistleblowers emerged. Astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the King Nebuchadnezzar, O King, live forever. 
You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. You could not have been clearer, O king. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, um, um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that... I have set up. And now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. A smile comes on my face as I read through a story like this, and I don't know if you could pick it up, but uh, I think that the author of this story was putting in a little bit of humor in here. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that this story isn't very, very serious. But right now, I want to put in the first of this morning's uh, pandemic survival tools into your hands. There are three and here's pandemic survival kit number one, or it's pandemic survival tool number one, is keep your sense of humor. Or I'll put it slightly differently, keep your sense of holy humor. At times of crisis, it's helpful to have a holy sense of humor. I think we see that in the Bible. It wasn't saying that what was happening here wasn't very serious. It was. It was serious because the most powerful man in the world was upset. There was a lot of pressure on these three Hebrew boys. It was serious because everyone else around them was doing the same thing, bowing down and worshipping the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This was a real pressure. It was a real pressure because the stakes were crystal clear and sky high. If you don't bow down... Blazing, fiery furnace. In a sense, it, it couldn't be more serious. But in the way that you see this repetition of the satraps and judges and magistrates and the repetition of the, uh, uh, the different horns and flutes and zithers and lyres, and as you see the repetition of the image of gold that only a mere mortal man set up, you can see that there's a bit of a holy sense of humor that comes out through the scriptures doesn't mean that these things aren't, aren't serious, but there's a kind of humor that is appropriate. There's a kind of humor that is even powerful in the middle of a crisis and at a time of war. I wonder if you caught the Rugby World Cup in uh, the semi-finals, the New Zealand All Blacks, reigning world champions, favorites in the tournament, were up against the English rugby team. 
And as usual at the beginning of the match, the New Zealand all-black rugby team threw down their traditional challenge, the all-black haka. It's this war dance that's designed to intimidate and put fear in the heart of every team that they face. But the English team were ready. And uh, unlike most other teams do who watch the haka kind of cowering and quaking and shivering, they stood in formation in an arrowhead, a reverse arrowhead, if you like. And at the tip of the arrowhead was the English captain. And uh, he had what can only be described as a smirk on his face. And uh, as the All Blacks threw down their traditional challenge, the smile on English captain Owen Farrell's face said, bring it on. It was a declaration of war. And when you and I can keep our sense of humor, when we can keep our sense of this isn't, this isn't the, the end of it all, actually, maybe we know something that you don't, New Zealand All Blacks. It can change things. It can be a powerful weapon. We see it in the World Cup rugby of last year. We also see it in scripture. 1 Kings 18 verse 27, Elijah is confronting the prophets of Baal. The stakes are sky high, life and death. And do you know what happens? He, Elijah lays down a challenge. He says, the God who answers by fire, he is God. And he gives the prophets of Baal, 400 of them, you go first. Let's see your, let's see your, your God do his best. And they're cutting themselves and dancing and nothing is happening. And then the Bible says this. I wonder if you can pick up his holy sense of humor. It says, at noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, hey, yell louder. After all, he is a God. He may be uh, deep in thought. <laughs> or perhaps he stepped out for a moment <laughs> or has taken a trip. Some Bible translations say maybe he's gone to the bathroom to relieve himself. Perhaps he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. There's a holy humor in Elijah that was a weapon in a time of warfare. Psalm 2 verses 2 to 5 tells us about the kings and nations of the world conspiring against God. Check it out, Psalm 2, 2, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one, rulers of the earth in one corner, superpowers of the world. In the other corner, the maker of heaven and earth, including all the nations and their leaders. <laughs> Verse four tells you how heaven responds. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. <laughs> the Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. What am I saying, friends? Survival kit uh, tool number one is keep your holy sense of humor. Sometimes, like the song says, the popular song, sometimes our weapon is a melody. Sometimes it's a Jericho wall bringing down shout. And sometimes it's holy laughter as we remember our God is in heaven. And no matter what comes his way, nothing can stand against. Tool number one, keep your sense of holy humor. Let's keep on moving. We're in verse 16. 
oh, this is so, so good. I love this. The Bible says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king. Friends, this is stunning. By the way, this is the last time that we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in scripture. This is it. This is their curtain call, if you like. But before they disappear from our story, they want to make one more deposit into your life and my life. As we face Babylonian times, around us. Let's watch our heroes in action. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. This is where it gets really good. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. This is stunning. This is great. This for me is the climax of the story. Their response is strong and we can give this response in a time of crisis, whether it's a financial crisis, a health crisis, a relational crisis, a spiritual crisis. We can hold on to mighty truths like these three Hebrew, Hebrew boys. They say, you know what, O king, God is able. Ephesians 3.20, well worth memorizing. To him, that's our God, who is able, listen to what I'm saying, who is able to do immeasurably more than all you and I could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Friends, the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, the God of Christ followers is able to do. Not just that, but the faith of the Hebrew boys goes one more step and they say not just he's able, but he will rescue us. He will rescue us. He says, hey, remember that? Haven't you heard the stories of our God when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and he was fighting 400 prophets of Baal, one to 400? Our God is the God that answered by fire. Weren't you there in in Daniel chapter one, O Nebuchadnezzar, when we had a trial to see who would bless, who would give grace. And if we were eating vegetables and people were eating the best off your table, our God gave us favor. Our God came through for us. Weren't you there in Daniel chapter two, when none of your astrologers, none of your wise men could interpret a a dream that you had or tell you what the dream was, who came through? Our God wasn't just able, but he did as well. Daniel chapter three, here we are, O king, and our God will rescue us. That is an awesome response, but for me, it goes from awesome to absolutely glorious. Check this out. The last thing that they say is, listen, even if he does not, We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. These three Hebrew boys are saying, hey, listen, maybe God won't rescue us. We're not in his place. We can't tell him what to do. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't rescue us, our worship of him and not of you is an unconditional worship. Survival tool number two, make your worship unconditional. 
Friends, something awesome happens when the followers of God, the followers of Jesus, we worship him not because of what he can do for us, but because of who he is, who say that no matter what comes our way, poverty or riches, sickness or health, victory or defeat, we worship our God unconditionally. Whether he rescues us from the flames or whether we die in those flames, we worship him because of who he is. There is no one worthy of the, of the kind of worship that our God is worthy of. Some great stories from history I'm indebted to. Uh, the Bible Speaks Today commentary series. I highly commend it. It has been unusually helpful to me in this season. But in this Bible uh, commentary series, one, one man tells a story of how in communist Russia, they were about to crush or trying to crush the church of Jesus. And as they were moving through um, uh, on one Sunday morning, the Communist Party was shutting down, ch down churches and one such agent in this um, task force was struck by the deep devotion of an older woman who was kissing the feet of a life-size carving of Christ on the cross. This agent asked her, Babushka, which is, uh, means grandmother, are you also prepared to kiss the feet of the beloved general secretary of our great communist party. Why, of course, she shot back, but only if you crucify him first. The one we worship is worthy of all the worship that we could give him all the praise and glory and honor and adulation because he died on a cross for my sins and for your sins. It's awesome. And friends, if, if as a church we can get to this place, one tribe, God's tribe, every church listening, every believer listening, if we can get to a place like this where our worship of God becomes unconditional, we know that he is able, we know that he will, we're trusting and believing that he will, but even if he does not, still we'll worship him alone, then friends, the miracle has already happened. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, get to the good bit. We know what's coming, get to the good bit. And that is a great bit. Great bit. We're going to get there in a few moments, but I want us to pause here and realize that if we stop right here, the miracle of Daniel chapter three has already happened. Someone sold Walter Luthi said this, that there are three men who do not worship in Nebuchadnezzar's totalitarian state is a miracle of God. That the three were not divide, devoured by the fire is no greater miracle. Suppose the fiery furnace had consumed them. The real miracle would have happened just the same. Coming to the conclusion of our story, Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 30. Nebuchadnezzar is furious. He orders the furnace heated to the max. Strongest soldiers in the army bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the furnace. The king's order is so urgent and the flames so hot that those soldiers are killed by the flames as they throw the three Hebrew boys into the fire. What happens next? The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, uh, weren't there three men that we tied and threw into the fire? <laughs> they replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Survival tool number three. 
in these times, we don't want to just uh, keep a sense of holy humor. We don't want to just make our worship unconditional. But friends, right where you are, right now, we can, number three, experience his nearness. I don't know how we can survive this pandemic without experiencing the nearness of the God who rescues. Christ did not keep them out of the furnace, but he found them in it. He doesn't always shield you from all distresses and dangers, but it is in the holiness, in the betrayal, in the loss, that the fourth man comes and walks with you. The fourth man can always find his people. Some people say, was this an angel? It's what Nebuchadnezzar thought he was, but I'm not sure how great his theology is. <laughs> Some people would say that this was a pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus Christ. That's what I would say. We see Jesus walking with his people through the fire. Which reminds me of a story in Mark chapter 6 when the disciples, you can check it out in verse 48, Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars. They were in a boat. He was far away from them. They were straining because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. Jesus comes to us as we pass through fire. He comes to us as waters threaten to overwhelm us. And his promise is the same to his followers down through the ages. It's a promise in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I want to pray for you right now that you would know the nearness of the fourth man. Whatever you're going through, personally or related to this pandemic, let's pray together. Father, I pray that every person who can hear the sound of my voice right now would know your peace. God, may they not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. May they, may we present our requests to you and may the peace of God that transcends all understanding. God, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father God, in addition to your peace, may each one know your protection. The scriptures say the fire hadn't harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. God, may your people know your protection in this time. May your children know the protection of your nearness. And God, even as you work all things for our good, may your children know your promotion in this time. The story ends that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God, may it be true for your people in this season. And everyone said, Amen.